Hello, and welcome to Grim and Whim, unnerving tales to haunt, mystify, and spark curiosity. Let's be curious together. Today we will be looking at a paranormal pondering, and it's actually one of my personal favorite American legends, and it's a rabbit hole that I've actually fallen down a time or 20. It's something that is really interesting, and it's a story that has inspired many books, many films, plays, um, even TV shows, and the fear surrounding this entity and the power that it had. Um, it enraptured the town of Robertson County, Tennessee, where it took place. But then, as rumors spread, it ended up captivating the entire country. And we're still talking about it today. And that is the story of the Bell Witch Haunting. And this malevolent spirit called the Bell Witch, it haunted the Bell family every single night from 1817 all the way to 1821. And some believe that the witch was actually the cause of one of the family members' untimely deaths. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in and learn more about the Bell Witch and its origins and just a little bit more about the impact on not only the Bell family, but also the impact on the community and how it inspired so much of the media that we even have today. The story begins in 1804 when John and Lucy Bell and their six children moved from North Carolina to Tennessee. And their goal was basically to start a life of farming and they moved to this land, um, farmland along the Red River. And they ended up having about 320 acres of land on this property. And it was the perfect setting for farming. And the land was rich and very fertile. There was barns already on the land. There was a log cabin. Um, and you can actually visit the Bell family log cabin today if you wish. Um, so yeah, everything seemed in place. It seemed like a great start for the family. But we fast forward to the summer of 1817, so about 13 years after they had moved and settled. John Bell, the father of the Bell family, he stumbled across something strange while working in the fields. And it was this very bizarre looking creature with the body of a dog, but the head of a rabbit, which must have been a really creepy, eerie sight to, you know, see just, you know, in the middle of the day and, you know, working the land. So when John saw this creature, he immediately raised his gun and he tried to shoot um, the creature, but it ended up scurrying off. And John was startled and he, you know, told his family about the experience, but he ultimately brushed it off as just like this weird coincidence, this, you know, weird thing. But this half dog, half rabbit-like creature was sort of the harbinger for more strange sightings to come. And many believe that these weird creatures were actually the witch's familiars, which if you're familiar with, you know, witch lore, a lot of times... Um, some witches can 
transform themselves into animals and then also sometimes witches will have um you know certain familiars that they you know they work through and we see this in the movie the witch um where we have um you know several different types of animals you know usually in most witch lore it's usually rabbits and cats but it can sometimes be dogs and other animals um, or birds and so many people think that this was sort of the beginning of the witch kind of laying the groundwork for the haunting to come. So a few days after John, the father of the family, a few days after he saw this weird, you know, rabbit dog hybrid creature, one of the other Bell children named Drew saw something equally strange. Perched up on a fence, looked like a turkey but when he got close and he actually approached the creature he realized that this was not like any type of bird he had seen before it was much much bigger and just something about its movements and things it was just off it just did not resemble a normal you know turkey and so you know he got closer to it and it ended up flapping its wings and it flew away and Drew described it as being of extraordinary size and later on the youngest daughter Elizabeth or Betsy Bell also had her own strange encounter. She came across a girl wearing a green dress and this girl was climbing one of the oak trees near the Bell's family home and Betsy had never seen this girl before, and it's a small town, so, you know, I think that um, her finding the encounter to be pretty strange makes sense. Um, it could have very well just been a coincidence um, that she just didn't know this girl, but she sees this girl climbing one of the trees and, you know, is just kind of giving off weird energy, and Betsy walked away from the situation feeling like it was very off. But like I said before, these strange um, animal encounters, they really were just the tip of the paranormal iceberg. And they were kind of the harbinger for other strange and honestly terrifying things that the Bell family was about to encounter. And they really did go through the ringer. And this witch or spirit, entity, poltergeist, you know, whatever it may be, it was really just starting and the Bell family was in for years of torment. So the Bell family began experiencing more and more paranormal activity, starting slow with knocking and um, sort of scratching sounds on the doors and the walls of the home. And it revved up to louder sounds of gnawing at the foot of their beds like some animal was like trying to you know eat the bed frame and they also heard invisible dogs fighting um and if you've ever you know seen a couple of dogs fight they make a lot of noise you know they're um moving around a lot they're making you know growling sounds and so they're hearing all this growling and all this 
you know, intense, you know, fighting noises, but there's nothing in the room. And there was also the sound of chains being dragged along the floor. And the family also was hearing sounds of somebody, what it sounded like was like somebody choking or being choked. Um, and they were gasping for air. And it was just that really loud, visceral sound of somebody, you know, trying to catch their breath. But there was nobody actually in the room. And so these noises are happening, but there's not actually a source to any of the noises. And still to this day, they really haven't figured out where the source of the noises came from. But it wasn't only strange and unusual noises that the witch had up her sleeve. She also, um, she, he, they, we don't really know, um, the spirit or the poltergeist or the witch, we're not really entirely sure, so I'm, I'll just refer to it as the witch, but the witch began to actually physically attack um, people in the house. And it really seemed to focus more on the children um, especially at the beginning. So while the children were sleeping, they would actually um, have their sheets like pulled off of them um, during the night. Um, they also experienced um, hair pulling, um, scratches all over their body. Um, and it was just an absolute nightmare, as you can imagine, for the family. Um, the only person in the house who kind of really avoided you know, most of the physical attacks was Lucy Bell, John's wife. And the spirit actually took a liking to her in some of the records. It says that the spirit um, complimented her and told her that she was this beautiful woman. And the spirit apparently even sang to Lucy while she, you know, whenever she fell ill. Um, so it's just really interesting, you know, the contrast of this, you know, malevolent spirit and then sometimes it's nurturing. And so it's sort of a strange, um, you know, juxtaposition, um, the two characteristics of the Bell Witch. So during the height of the Bell Witch's terror, there were two people in the family that the entity really seemed to like have this big vendetta against and really latched onto. And that was John Bell, the patriarch of the family, and then Betsy Bell, who I mentioned before. Um, she was the youngest daughter um, of the six children. And like I said, they were the ones who really kind of got the short end of the stick. They really kind of went through the ringer. And John Bell began experiencing this strange, like, face paralysis. And it was, you know, swollen face and tongue and, you know, twitching, um, specifically with his, his mouth. And so it was more partial paralysis. So his whole face wasn't twitching. It was more having to do with, like, his mouth and, like, the inside of his mouth. So tongue, you know, everything else. And... The disorder, Bell's palsy, which you may have heard of, it's a partial facial paralysis, and it was actually named after John Bell because of the strange phenomenon that was happening 
um, due to what we think is the Bell Witch's curse and her haunting of the Bell family. So yeah, the Bell Witch started to really take, you know, take it out on John, but then the entity moved on to Betsy and the entity really was like adamantly opposed to the union of childhood sweethearts Betsy and Joshua Gardner. So Joshua Gardner was someone that the family, you know, grew up around and um, Betsy and Joshua, um, you know, always got along and, you know, they were kind of sweet on each other and, you know, they were engaged to be married. But because the spirit harassed them so ruthlessly, um, and I mean, not just like taunting, but like actually like physically abusing them. Um, and like I said, poor Betsy, she was, I mean, she really was tormented by the spirit. The spirit pinched her. It slapped her across the face. Um, it stuck her with pins, which sounds horrible. Sometimes Betsy was slapped around to such a high degree that she was actually knocked out, like slapped around to the point where she was unconscious and she endured the spirit's, you know, abuse for a long while, but she did ultimately call off the marriage to Joshua Gardner. That being said, Betsy did eventually have sort of a happy ending. She was um, courted by and married by her former school teacher, Richard Powell. And in 1820, she actually left Tennessee behind and she and her husband settled uh, somewhere in Mississippi. During all of this abuse and all of this um, torment by this poltergeist, um, the family finally got to the point where, you know, they were at their wits end and they actually turned to a family friend for support. And up until this point, they were keeping everything hush hush, um, which makes sense. You know, during this time, um, it might have been a little bit of a faux pas or a taboo to be, you know, going around town talking about, you know, some ghost, you know, trying to um, assault your family. And so they kept it hush-hush, but they finally realized, you know, we need more witnesses because otherwise, you know, we're just kind of going insane by ourselves. We need more eyes on this. And the spirit was becoming more and more physical. So like I said, they reached out to a family friend for support. His name was James Johnston, and he was a close friend to the family. And he actually came to the Bell home and slept over. And during the night, he actually began experiencing some of the strange happenings that, um, that the family was experiencing. He was hearing things. Um, he was having these you know, strange experiences. And he actually described it as like a spirit from the Bible. And so once he got involved and started to, you know, encounter the poltergeist as well, soon the entire town began buzzing about this spirit. And 
They were trying to figure out where did it come from? Why is it doing this? And, you know, just trying to understand why it manifested in the Bell's family home 13 years after they had moved in. Um, Because it's kind of strange, right? I mean, they moved in, everything was fine. And then just out of nowhere, this entity comes. And so um, people were, you know, speculating and theorizing about whether or not, you know, the Bell family was just yanking their chain and it was just like some big joke or prank or if this was really happening. And if it was really happening, you know, what do we do about it? The story captivated so many people and throughout the years, many people came to the property to experience this entity for themselves. And some believed that they could actually expel the spirit from the home. And one of these people was Dr. Mize, and he was a noted conjurer from Simpson, Kentucky. And he did attempt to exercise the witch, but he was ultimately mocked and taunted by the spirit and was frightened away and never returned and never tried again. And so who knows exactly what happened, but something happened and something scared him enough that he was like, this is out of my pay grade, out of my league, and I am not trying to die today. And so he left and never returned. And unfortunately, the witch was still manifesting um, horrible things um, in the house. And the Bell family was kind of SOL. One of the weirder things about the Bell Witch is its origin. And it really just seemed to pop out of nowhere. The Bell family had been living on the property for 13 years with no paranormal activity, no strange encounters, nothing that really um, left them feeling uncomfortable in their home. And then all of a sudden, now this family is being like physically harmed. You know, the the entity is, you know, whispering and shouting things at them and just being really vicious. And over the years, that's been one of the things that has really made the Bell Witch haunting so interesting to so many people is people wonder whether or not it was real, whether or not it was um, fake, if it was made up, if, you know, they were experiencing some kind of, you know, group hysteria. Um, And this case is actually one of history's, well, American history's most well-documented paranormal cases. And the accounts that we have from this time period, um, they really give us clues about what exactly this entity is and maybe where it comes from. And the spirit allegedly stated things to people like, I am a spirit. I once was very happy, but I have been disturbed and made unhappy. And another thing that the spirit said was, I am the spirit of a person who was buried in the woods nearby and the grave was disturbed and my bones disinterred and scattered. And one of my teeth lost in the house and I am here looking for that tooth 
So because, you know, people were reporting the spirit saying things like that, and also the fact that there were many indigenous peoples burial grounds um, surrounding this region, many people believe that maybe um, this entity was due to the settlers disturbing the land. Um, however, during another event, the entity said something that was also just kind of a little bit weird and it actually claimed to be the spirit from everywhere. Heaven, hell, the earth. Um, it claimed to be um, in the air, in the houses, every place at any time, and that it was created um, millions of years ago. And so that makes me think that maybe it was not so much um, like the spirit of an indigenous person, but perhaps it was maybe more demonic in nature. But then the speculating and the theories started to take a turn and it kind of went less, you know, from the demonic and, you know, like a demon or something like that or a ghost. And it started to look more like witch behavior. And many people in town had their theories about who in the town the witch was. There was a woman in this town named Mary Catherine Batts. And she actually went by Kate Batts. So I'll be referring to her as Kate Batts as we move along. And she was a very interesting woman, a very independent woman. And she had a dispute with John Bell, the father of the Bell family. According to the legend, um, John Bell and Kate Batts, they were having some dispute over the sale of a slave. And the facts surrounding this dispute are pretty tangled. And there was definitely a lot of, you know, rumors going around in this town. And everyone sort of got the idea in their head that maybe because of this dispute, maybe Kate Batts summoned the spirit of a witch um, to torment the Bell family and sort of get revenge on John Bell. And so that's what people were thinking, but I did want to say that, well, yes, maybe they did get into a dispute. During this time period, it's definitely important to remember that women were not treated as equal to men. Their word was not, you know, treated as anything of importance, and it wasn't uncommon for a woman to be, you know, called hysterical or, um, or even just the idea of, you know, witches. You know, we know about, you know, the Salem witch trials and, you know, the burning of witches. And it's something that's been around for a long time. And it was definitely also, you know, less prevalent in this, you know, time period, but it was still occurring. And um, that is something to keep in mind moving forward. But with that being said, while there are plenty of stories um, from the townspeople connecting the Bell Witch to Kate Batts um, and 
this disagreement, you know, that occurred between Kate and uh, Kate and John Bell. There is actually zero evidence that suggests that she had anything to do with it. In fact, uh, one of the rumors that kind of went around town was that on her deathbed, Kate said that she was going to get even with John. Um, but John actually died long before Kate did. Um, Kate actually outlived John Bell by 22 years. So how would she say she was going to get even with John if he was already dead? So you see what I'm saying? There's like a lot of like rumors that sort of fueled the fire. And I think the fact that Kate was a strong woman um, definitely made people suspicious of her. And let's talk a little bit about the type of character she was. So um, Kate was a woman who um, worked alongside her husband. Um, his name was Frederick Batts, and they had a family farm, and she worked alongside her husband. And one day there was some sort of um, work-related accident, and Frederick ended up being paralyzed. And when Frederick was no longer able to work, Kate took on the role as the main breadwinner, as the main laborer on the farm. And the locals described Kate as being, you know, brash and eccentric and like this big personality. But I think it's important to remember that there's rampant sexism happening at this time. And it totally could have contributed to, you know, the rumor mill and, you know, this sort of, you know, suspicion that everybody had on her. I personally don't think she had any involvement in, you know, the spell witch or the entity. I just don't really think that there's enough evidence to support that. And I could be totally wrong, but I also just know that doing my own research of um, society during this time. I don't think that even if she were to, you know, say, hey, like, here are the facts, here's the logic, I am not involved in this, a lot of people may have just not believed her because she was a woman um, and it was a man's word against her. So eventually John Bell died and he passed away in 1820. And the family blamed the Bell Witch or the entity, um, saying that it had been trying to kill the family's patriarch from the beginning. Um, and so when he had passed away, um, that's what they thought. They thought that the witch finally, you know, kind of did its job. And the entity at some point received the nickname Kate linking back to Kate Batts and many of the people, the residents of the area, you know, attributed the hauntings to Kate Batts and that was like their main suspect. And despite Kate avidly denying any involvement with um, witchcraft or any type of haunting um, or having really any ill will towards the Bell family, um, when John died, 
the entity known as the Bell Witch seemed happy to accept the nickname Kate and began responding to people when people would like go to the house trying to have some kind of like paranormal encounter they would yell out Kate and um, a lot of times the entity would respond to it and so some people were like "Ooh, ooh that's evidence you know that it was definitely Kate Bats but Again, I personally don't think that there was really any connection. Um, and the legend says that the spirit of this bell witch is said to remain on the bell property today. And it haunts a cave on the northern side of the property. And you can actually visit this cave today, um, which is something I've always wanted to do. Kate Batts eventually died. Um, she passed away in 1842. So like I said, she, she passed away. She outlived John by a little over two decades. And so, um, you know, when she died, um, the rumors still didn't stop, you know, despite the fact that she had constantly, you know, gave logical explanations and tried to refute all these rumors people believe what they want to believe and unfortunately um people still thought even when she died that um this entity was still going to be around and like i said many people do believe that there is still you know kind of some paranormal happenings happening in this cave uh nearby the bell family home and so despite the fact that Kate most likely didn't have anything to do with it and she passed away, the spirit still seems to linger on. In conclusion, was this story a true, you know, well-documented case of paranormal activity? Or was the Bell family vying for the public's attention? You know, some people believe that this case is so well-documented that it has to be true, right? I mean, there's so many witnesses and there's been so many books written about it. And, you know, there were people like priests and different things that had involvement um, in the case, you know, trying to expel the entity from the Bell family home. So it's, you know, it's like everybody would have to be subject to group hysteria for it to not be real. Um, so is that the case or was there really a paranormal presence that was like hell-bent on causing the Bell family as much torment as possible? And the answer is, is that we don't know. Um, that's sort of the mystery behind the Bell Witch and this entity. We don't know if it really was a witch. We don't know if it was paranormal in nature. We don't know if it was due to like disturbing burial grounds. We just don't know. And the fact that it is so well documented definitely makes you wonder, right? It's not just one person saying, hey, I had this experience, you know, believe me. It's many people experiencing these things and hearing these voices and seeing people being, you know, getting their hair pulled and, you know, pinched and scratched at and 
there's sheets flown off the bed and there's witnesses to it and so it's really hard you know to decide whether or not they were faking it for the press or just trying to get people's attention or if this really was some kind of entity and we just don't know but you can visit the bell witch cave today um this malevolent and violent uh violent spirit is said to still reside in the cave's depths but with all that being said you can decide for yourself what you believe about this mysterious entity and whether or not the bell family was full of it and it was you know just something conjured up to get attention if the family and the townspeople were experiencing some sort of hysteria or perhaps there really was a paranormal experience that touched many many people's lives and is said to still be around today and the bell witch cave is a very very popular place to visit if you are looking for some kind of paranormal experience and so yeah it's really up to you to decide what you believe about the bell witch and what it was and what it wasn't i hope you enjoyed the story about the bell witch it's definitely a story that i have been fascinated with coming across it i think almost a decade ago it was a long time ago and ever since then i was always just i don't know just really enraptured by the story it just always kind of made me think and that's why i wanted to dedicate an entire video about the bell witch and um this weird phenomenon and so if you enjoyed this video please be sure to give me a like and subscribe if you want to see more of me there are videos that come out every friday um, as well as podcast episodes um, so you can either see me here on youtube or you can also find me on spotify and apple podcasts same name grim and whim but with all that being said, I hope that you all have an awesome day. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me. It's goodbye for now, but I hope to haunt you again soon.